For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, Here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. A New York woman is suing a hospital after she says the facility's wild turkeys gave her a life-altering permanent injury. 60-year-old Carmen Pagan says that she stumbled and fell on an uneven curb because she was afraid of wild turkeys at the Staten Island University Hospital. She has since undergone four surgeries on her right shoulder, and she testified in court that she hasn't regained full mobility and she had to resign from her job. She's suing the hospital because she says they should have done more to create a safe environment. She was trying to walk to a food truck on hospital grounds, but she took a roundabout way to avoid a flock of wild turkeys. This led her to an area with uneven pavement, and she caught her foot on a curb. She fell, hit her head on a wall, and injured her shoulder as she tried to catch herself. I don't know about you, but I think turkeys have it bad enough this time of year without getting dragged into a personal injury lawsuit. They were just minding their own business in a parking lot, which is one of their natural habitats on Staten Island. Don't make the turkeys the fall guy for, um... Mm, not picking up your feet. Hate to say it. Anyway, this week we've got the crime desk, legislations, regulations, wolves, and state conservation. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week was, you know, it's been really something. Big news. Something to celebrate is the progress report on Wildcat Bend, which, if you remember, is the property we pointed our land access initiative fundraising efforts for for 2023. Just this week, the project progressed through the Montana State Land Board on a five-to-one margin, which, you know, the one dissenting vote is just that person you know, who's like, I just can't agree with everyone. Not for any other reason than that's just what I like to do. 
which means we are on our way to more accessible land for hunting and fishing. Yeah! If that ain't enough, I had a really great opportunity to join the Duran family farm this week, and it happened to be opening weekend of the Wisconsin rifle season. Let me tell you from this Montana kid's perspective, the amount of centerfire rifle shooting on a Wisconsin opening day is more than I have heard in two or three big game seasons combined at home. I was graciously mixed into the group of Doug's family and friends. We game planned somewhat exhaustively on the large aerial map in the old Duran farmhouse while eating cheese curds and drinking spotted cow. Then early the next morning, we headed out into the dark to our appropriate stands or ambush points. This could be a ladder stand on a tree or a pop-up blind on the ground or a pile of rocks or a crooked oak or a bend in a skitter road or even one of those really fancy prefabricated all aluminum insulated carpeted perched on stilts tiny homes complete with a small deck. Uh, that's what some folks in Wisconsin call permanent blinds. Doug has one by a company called Q4 that I immediately named The Office because I quickly deduced that most folks I know don't have an office as well-appointed as Doug's stand. I was jealous, obviously. Not for the hunting application necessarily, but I would love to have a little dedicated and comfortable elevated observation point to, you know, type on my computer, drink my coffee, and watch the natural world go by in a 360 view. Anyway, the Duran Farm, as you well know, is managing for chronic wasting disease, which means they have thrown out the book on trying to curate wild, giant whitetails through selective management. In other words, they just hunt deer. And the motto is, if you're happy with it, we will be happy with you. The goal this season is to remove 60 deer in total, with a preference for more does than bucks, which is the scenario that naturally presents itself anyway. Don't you know? So opening morning. Bang, 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 bang. Text messages. Who's shooting? Oh, the neighbor. Emptied his gun, I think. Bang, 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 bang. Text message. Got three does. Bang, bang, bang. Text message. Got two does and a stick. And so the morning went. Dispatches from Doug's office, we could call it. Deer crossing. Just saw 10 does. Just saw two bucks. Pretty nice. One wide, one tall. Ooh, there's a nice buck. Then, graciously, as my thoughts turned to anxiety of being in the absolute wrong spot, having not seen uh, really anything other than squirrels and one young buck chasing a doe at lightning speed through the tangle of green briar and wrist-thick oaks, my phone died. Hmm. Do I stay or do I go? I climb down and do a small creeping walk around the stand. I had, you know, kind of randomly chosen, then back up the ladder and back down again and then back up the ladder just to kind of get my blood flowing and settle in. It's now three o'clock in the afternoon. Something is going to happen. The rut is still on. Deer are being moved by other people. And eventually something does happen. Just as soon as the nothing that was happening got finished. That's how it works, right? Grunting, blowing, crashing, and chasing from up above. The same young buck reveals himself for a second time, this time actually pausing in front of a basketball-sized hole in the brush. I pick up my rifle, I consider my angle, and the consequence of a nearly offhand shot, then he's gone. Hmm. I fixate on this zone, trying to see everything. Then, when my eyes get bored of the terrain, I swing over my left-hand shoulder, 
where I get this view of a beautiful creek bottom. However, it is so thick that it lacks almost any real shooting possibilities. And as the evening breeze picks up, I see branches moving in the bottom, which turn, of course, not into branches, but the high white tines of an undeniably older buck. I wasn't exactly judging out there, but you do know a big buck when you see it. I align my rifle, no shot. I stand and leaned against the tree, no shot. Now I can clearly see this is a big deer. It's a heavy rack, it's got tall tines, it really is the thing, right? And this buck happens to be tracking does, he's on the move. As Doug would say, he's not exactly carrying the mail, but he's moving. I stand on top of the ladder stand seat, awkwardly twist my torso to keep my feet square, and press my back into the tree to provide stability. I manage to get an elbow into my rib cage. I see my hole through the foliage, and the buck's ribs fill the hole. I held my breath and squeezed the trigger. Bang! Absolutely no reaction. The buck drops his head, sniffs, and continues to move. He's just a brown haze beyond the black sticks. I chamber my next round. I see there is very little chance I hit this deer, and even less of a chance of another clear or even clear-ish shot. Then that buck does what deer occasionally do. He drops his head. He finds the smell he wants. He turns 90 degrees and starts a new trajectory right at me. When he picks his head up the next time, the rack moves the tangle of brush to reveal his chest. He's now looking head on and the path is clear. Bang! This time, the reaction is immediate. He turns 90 degrees and hauls the mail. He's not on a trail, but he goes directly through the tangle of oaks, maples, and greenbrier so thick it would unravel a sheep like an old thrift shop sweater. And two things happened that day. I sat in a tree stand for the longest I have ever sat in a tree stand in my entire life. And I got a buck, an old, heavy buck, who's all broken off in places and he's super cool. And I was happy with that deer and everyone else was happy with me. Moving on to the crime desk. Wildlife officials in Utah are asking for the public's help identifying a poacher who threw rocks at an injured mule deer. The Utah Division of Wildlife Resources said in a press release that they were notified by witnesses who saw a man shoot a mule deer buck near the town of Beaver, about 175 miles southwest of Salt Lake City. The shot didn't put the deer down, so the man proceeded to throw what the DWR describes as several large boulders at the animal. One of those boulders hit the deer in the head, and the man was seen loading the now dead deer into the back of a beige pickup truck and leaving the area. The incident happened on October 14th of this year, and there were no legal mule deer hunts in that area on that day. If you know anything about this incident, give Officer Jeremy Butler a call at 435-310-0238. A reward may be available for information leading to a successful prosecution, and your confidentiality will be maintained. So, you know, if you have a buddy who's real good at throwing large boulders, uh... You may want to ask him where that buck came from. In Ohio, wildlife officials have launched an investigation into the person who killed the deer in a suburban neighborhood just north of Columbus. One resident of the town of Worthington told local media that he'd spotted a white-tailed buck while walking his dog. 
About 40 minutes later, he heard a whooshing sound outside and found that his water hose had been impaled by an arrow. He looked down his street and saw two people struggling to lift a dead deer into a car. Another arrow was found later in a nearby park, but this one was broken and appeared to have been hit by something. Local officials told the Columbus Dispatch that Worthington has been overrun by deer. The town published a deer management report two years ago, but their policies have been unable to slow the growth of the herd. The town's maintenance superintendent said the deer have become like squirrels. They're all over the town, in people's yards, and people treat them like pets. The Ohio DNR is investigating the incident. They believe the poacher may not be a resident of the neighborhood, but if anyone has any info, give them a call. Game wardens in Wyoming made what may be the easiest poaching bust of all time. In January of last year, the East Casper game warden came across a truck parked along the highway and noticed a large mule deer buck in the bed. Closer inspection revealed that the driver was passed out drunk in the front seat. The warden called sheriff's deputies, who arrested the man for driving while intoxicated. The mule deer in the back of the truck had been poached, and further investigation revealed that this wasn't the first time this fella had fallen off the wagon. In 2021 and 2022, the man killed five bull elk and two mule deer bucks without a license. He lost his hunting and fishing privileges for 55 years, which is obviously uh, something he's taking to heart, was ordered to pay $36,000 in fines and restitution and will serve one year in jail. And that's just for the wildlife crimes in Johnson County. There are investigations underway in three other counties for wildlife crimes, and he was also hit with two felonies related to drunk driving and possessing a firearm. In other words, he uh, got some amends to make up. Uh, mm, yeah, yep. Hopefully this is rock bottom. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself 
and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We're going to move on over to the wolf desk. The Washington Fish and Wildlife Commission voted 6-3 last month to reject a petition that would have made it more difficult to kill wolves in the state. The petition was submitted by 11 animal rights groups and claimed that too many wolves are killed in Washington as the result of livestock conflicts. To correct this supposed issue, the petition asked to create a new rule to incorporate more restrictive standards relating to the use of lethal and non-lethal deterrents to address wolf-livestock conflict. It would have added more requirements for landowners to use non-lethal deterrent methods and made it extremely difficult to kill wolves for any reason. Given the recent history of the Washington Wildlife Commission, some folks were understandably nervous. But at a commission meeting last week, the Wildlife Department gave a strong presentation arguing against the petition. They pointed out that compared to other states, Washington kills remarkably few wolves every year. As of August of 2023, there were 15 livestock depredation incidents in Washington, but only two wolves were removed. In Oregon, by contrast, there have been 33 incidents in 2023, and nine wolves were removed. Washington, in other words, killed wolves in only 13% of its depredation incidents, while Oregon killed 27% of wolves in its depredation incidents. And the proof is in the pudding. The overall wolf population in Washington has grown from only five wolves in 2008 to 216 last year. It's very hard, then, to argue that the state is killing too many wolves when the population has been growing so quickly. And yet, while the petition didn't pass, three commissioners still voted in favor of it. Melanie Rowland, Julia Smith, and Tim Reagan. Those of you in Washington state probably won't be surprised at that list. Smith and Rowland especially have been the loudest voices in favor of changing how wildlife is managed, and this kind of restrictive rule is right up their alley. Livestock conflicts aren't the only scenarios in which wolves can be legally killed in the Pacific Northwest. Across the border in Oregon, an elk hunter shot and killed a wolf in what he says was self-defense. The elk hunter called the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife on November 2nd to report the incident. He said that a wolf came out of the timber while he was tracking an elk and started to approach him. He waved and yelled, but the wolf kept coming. The investigation revealed that the wolf was about 18 yards away when the hunter finally used his firearm to shoot the wolf once, killing it instantly. Another wolf appeared a short time later, but the hunter fired into the air and scared it away. It is legal in every state to kill an animal in self-defense, but it's important to follow this hunter's example, especially if you've killed an animal on the endangered species list. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, call a game warden right away, Leave the scene intact and tell the truth. It'll end your hunt for the day, but that's better than having your hunting license revoked for trying to conceal what happened. Moving on to the cold case desk. 
the sheriff's office in Sauk County, Wisconsin, which I'm about 500 feet away from, is asking deer hunters to be on the lookout for anything suspicious. Specifically, Sheriff Chip Meister is asking for help finding 13-year-old James Yablonski. Yablonski has been missing for almost four months, and law enforcement is stumped. So they're hoping that hunters will be able to provide new leads as they head out into the woods in search of whitetail. The request might sound a little strange, but hunters are often in the best position to find things criminals have tried to hide in the woods. Meat Eater contributor Pat Durkin published an article in 2020 tracking this phenomenon. He highlights several cases in which hunters have found bodies and other evidence, and you've probably noticed it yourself whenever something strange is found in the woods or on the water. It's often a hunter or angler who's done the finding. In fact, just last week, a hunter in central Texas stumbled upon partial human remains while walking through a wooded area. The Burnett County Sheriff's Office says the body had been there several months or even several years. They know who the person was, but they aren't releasing any additional information until they notify next of kin. They say no foul play was detected and the cause of death still needs to be determined. There is no hard data on how many missing persons hunters find every year, but an official with the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System told Pat Durkin that bodies start turning up in the spring when hunters go after turkeys and in the fall when deer seasons open. Quote, hunters are out there in places no one else goes, they can see better because the foliage is down, and they're just aware of their surroundings. Hopefully law enforcement finds Yablonski alive and well, but if Wisconsin hunters stumble upon something suspicious, they should stay in the area, not disturb the scene, and call 911 right away. In another case that still hasn't been solved, law enforcement officials are vowing to keep up the search for the person who killed a Minnesota hunter seven years ago. On November 7, 2016, 41-year-old Terry Brisk was found lying in the woods. The man had been hunting on his family's property, and further investigation revealed he had been shot and killed with his own rifle. The gun had been hidden somewhere else in the woods, and it wasn't until 2017 that the murder weapon was actually found. Brisk's family has refused to allow the case to go cold, and now it looks like their perseverance may pay off. Morrison County Sheriff Sean Larson told local media that they have new investigative tools to help recover electronic data that have just become available within the last year. They're retesting some of their evidence because these new tests are more accurate and they hope it will provide new leads. Still, the biggest breaks in a case often begin with witness testimony. The sheriff's office revealed last year that they're looking for a blue van that was in the area on the day of the shooting. They've also offered a $30,000 reward for any information that leads to an arrest and conviction. That information can be related to physical evidence or even something as simple as noticing that the behavior of a friend or family member changed following the murder. Right now, it sounds like even the smallest detail will help. If you have any information, contact the Morrison County Sheriff's Department. Moving on to the state desk. Conservation groups do a ton of work at the state level that does not get recognized. In Minnesota, for example, Pheasants Forever announced four new projects that will conserve a total of 437 acres. The projects are part of the group's Build a Wildlife Area program, and they'll be strengthening habitat corridors for upland birds in Menominee, McLeod, Ottertail, and Swift counties. The plan is to add acres to existing waterfowl production areas, Expanding additional public lands is often a better strategy than purchasing land in totally new areas because hunters already have access to these parcels. For more information, check out the press release on pheasantsforever.com. 
Sometimes state-level conservation projects are funded by nonprofits like Pheasants Forever. Other times they receive funding through federal programs. That's what's happening in Indiana, where a local conservation group just got approval to participate in a federal conservation program. The Southern Indiana Sentinel Landscape, or SISL, will be participating in the Regional Conservation Partnership Program, which is overseen by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This program will provide funding for the next five years for the restoration of 2,500 acres of forest land in southern Indiana through conservation easements and 5,000 to 10,000 acres of oak hickory forest ecosystems. The program will also provide resources to increase sustainable farming practices across tens of thousands of acres. They will help educate landowners and supply them with tools to protect cropland, surface waters, timberland, and more. The projects might not focus exclusively on game animals, but you can bet they'll help all critters that live in these ecosystems. Other state-level conservation efforts are spearheaded by the State Department of Wildlife. In Missouri, for example, the Department of Conservation recently removed a whopping 38,700 pounds of invasive carp from the Grand River. The project was completed in September in partnership with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. Teams used nets and electrofishing to remove the invasive species and improve habitat for native fish. Electrofishing, by the way, is pretty much what it sounds like. It imparts a high voltage into the water, which causes fish to experience something called galvanotaxis. Galvanotaxis is uncontrolled muscular convulsions that results in the fish swimming towards the submerged electrode, where they can be scooped up with a dip net. Biologists keep invasive species, and in this case the silver carp, bighead carp, and grass carp were given to a commercial fisherman to be used as fish bait. The native fish were counted and released back into the water. The Washington State Department of Natural Resources is set to purchase more than 9,000 acres of forest land in Wakiakum. Uh, yep, that's a tough one. Wakakum County, near the mouth of the Columbia River, you know, right, N-A-S-K-C-A-L at TheMeteor.com. Anyway, Wakiakum County, as everybody calls it, is located near the mouth of the Columbia River in southwest Washington. Local media reports that this is the largest land purchased by the DNR in over a decade and will cost taxpayers about $55 million. The land will be used to generate revenue for the department through commercial timber harvest and production. The department also plans to preserve the land for public service, such as recreation, providing wildlife habitats, and protect water quality. These are just a few examples of the kind of great work being done at the local and state level. I guarantee if you spend a little time looking, you'll find equally cool projects being done in your neck of the woods. When you find them, send them my way by emailing ASKCAL at TheMeatEater.com. Moving on to the legislative desk. State legislative sessions are picking up steam around the country, so now's the time to start tracking your outdoor legislation. This week, I have great news from Texas. Last week, Lone Star State residents voted overwhelmingly in favor of a ballot initiative that will invest more than $1 billion to create and improve state parks. Proposition 14, which we covered on the podcast a few weeks ago, will create a Centennial Parks Conservation Fund that will be used to open dozens of new parks. Texas currently ranks 35th in the nation for parkland per capita, which is probably why a whopping 75% of voters voted in favor of Proposition 14, with 1.9 million people voting in favor and only 589,000 voting against. Proposition 14 was among the most popular initiatives this year. Some of you may wonder why I'm happy with Prop 14 when I'm usually so critical of ballot box biology. 
That's because this initiative isn't about biology, it's about money. It doesn't say where the parks must be located or how large they should be. It gives biologists and wildlife officials the money they need to open new parks, but leaves the ecology-related decisions up to them. Oklahoma residents will have a chance to weigh in on dozens of new proposed hunting and fishing rules. One of the rules would subject hunters to littering citations for leaving empty shotgun shells on the landscape. One proposal would open a velvet buck hunt, while another would limit bow fishermen to 10 non-game native fish per day. The Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation is taking public comment on the proposed rules until December 8th. The commission will vote on them around the beginning of the year before the rules go into effect six months later. Utah wildlife officials are also exploring a new rule that would require hunters report all deer and elk harvested during the general season hunts beginning next year. The proposal calls for all permit holders during the eight deer or elk hunts to report their harvest to the state within 30 days after the season ends. These eight seasons include general season archery elk, general season buck deer. Hunters who fail to report their results will be barred from applying for any big game or antlerless hunts the following season. Reporting is easy, can be done either online or over the phone, and wildlife officials say the data will be used to improve hunting experiences in the future. To weigh in, send an email to the Utah Wildlife Board. As a note, I uh, registered three deer. I shot two does and a buck while out here at Doug's. Hop online, state of Wisconsin. They definitely milk you for a little information, such as, was it a good day on a scale of one to ten, which I found particularly entertaining. But it's great. That's all I got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. And something else to look forward to, we got a special Doug Duran Sharing the Land podcast coming up as well. So write in, A-S-K-C-A-L, that's askcal at themeateater.com. Let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. Would love to hear if folks find these conservation group spotlights interesting, if it's helpful, or if you'd rather just have more news. And, you know, chances are I'm going to do what I want anyway. It's my show. But, heck, we're in this together, right? You help me, I'll help you, and vice versa. As these legislative sessions ramp up, regulation changes, etc., please write in. Let us know what's going on so we can make sure people know about it, and they write in, make those phone calls, and better yet, show up in person to testify. Maybe even do one of the scariest things of all, write an op-ed. It'll really stand out, I promise, and it'll help. Got to talk to those non-hunters, too. So, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to go out and cut some wood with Bubbly Doug here before I head for the airport. And of course, we're going to be using clean, quiet, steel, battery-operated chainsaws. Those suckers just get the job done, and they're just so nice. We can have a conversation while we're bucking up wood. Big old oak trees out here. It's amazing. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Go to www.steeldealers.com to find a local knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They're going to get you set up with what you need, and they're not going to try to send you home with what you don't. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. 
Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.